There have now been 76 days in 2021, including today, March 17th. The year is moving along rapidly, and every single episode of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast is intended to help make sure you're caught up on some of the pieces as they move around the playfield. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and let's get right into it. On today's show, the Blue Ridge Health District will move its vaccination clinic to Fashion Square Mall. Albemarle and Charlottesville both get updates on their budgets. And the Charlottesville Fire Department seeks to reduce risks through neighborhood assessments. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, your local energy nonprofit, LEAP, offers free home weatherization to income and age-qualifying residents. If you're age 60 or older, or have an annual household income of less than $75,100, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home. The pandemic has a knack for breathing new life into commercial spaces that have gone dormant, even if for just a temporary basis. Beginning next week, the Blue Ridge Health District will provide shots at the former J.C. Penney space in Fashion Square Mall. They have been doing so in the parking lot of the former Kmart. The UVA Health System is providing shots at the former Big Lots in Seminole Square shopping center. The health district continues to go through health care workers eligible under Phase 1A. Dr. Denise Bonds is the director of the Blue Ridge Health District. Um, there's a few uh, individuals that um, we still haven't uh, reached yet. And then, of course, there are new individuals that have just taken jobs within that area, and we will continue to prioritize those individuals. We are still working through our 1B essential workers. And as I said, we're moving into manufacturing and farm and agriculture. Uh, we are vaccinating individuals who are 65 and older and those who are 16 to 64 with high-risk medical conditions. Bonds said the district and UVA have administered nearly 100,000 doses. Next week, they are expecting 11,650 doses, with 5,800 of those first shots and 2,000 of the one-shot Johnson & Johnson version of the vaccine. The move to the JCPenney site will allow the district to have up to 30 people administering vaccines at a time. Ryan McKay is the policy director for the Blue Ridge Health District, which has outgrown the tent. While that tent has been um, serving a tremendous purpose and service to the community, it does present some challenges for us as we operate. Um, when we have larger volumes of people, um, it puts people outside as opposed to inside. It sort of limits the amount of vaccinators we can have um, and the number of chairs that we can provide for observation areas. The J.C. Penney space offers 100,000 square feet of room and will begin operations on March 23rd, beginning four days a week. So provided that the vaccine allocation increases, we could run up to 2,000 people or administer 2,000 dose doses per day out of that location. Everyone who wants a vaccine is now being asked to go ahead and register with the state at vaccinatevirginia.gov. Catherine Goodman is the communications manager for the Blue Ridge Health District. We want everybody to pre-register right now. It doesn't matter what phase you're in or when you will qualify. We want everyone registered in the state system. Today, Governor Ralph Northam announced that schools and universities will be able to hold in-person graduation events later this spring. 
Events held outdoors will be capped at 30% of capacity, or 5,000 people, whichever is less. Events held indoors may have up to 500 people, or 30% capacity, whichever is less. According to a press release sent out today, Virginia school systems will receive $1.9 billion in direct funds from the American Rescue Plan adopted by Congress earlier this month. Charlottesville City Council met for more than six hours Monday and covered a lot of ground that I won't fully get to in this newsletter. Council first got an update on the city's financial forecast. Staff continue to monitor a potential $9 million shortfall in the current fiscal year, with decreased meals and lodging taxes being the main driver for that shortfall. Ryan Davidson is one of Charlottesville's two senior budget analysts. He said one solution may be to use funding from the American Rescue Plan, but staff have not yet gone through all of the fine print. We're still going through what that means for us and restrictions and where it can be used, but we do anticipate using some of this and, you know, we still need to figure out exactly how much we're going to get, but we do anticipate using some of this to help us manage the shortfall. Next month's financial report will include an updated forecast based on having three quarters of fiscal year 2021 in the books. The Albemarle County Board of Supervisors also held a budget work session on Monday. At the beginning, Chief Financial Officer Nelsie Birch suggested dedicating a future work session to how Albemarle's portion of the ARP funding might be used. That will give her and her staff more time to get more information. I still at this point don't actually know the amount of money we're going to be receiving. It's somewhere around $21 million. We'll have more from Albemarle County's budget in just a moment. Back to City Council, who also got a report from the Fire Department on their new approach toward community risk reduction which is intended to lower service calls through various preventative measures. Joe Powers was hired from Henrico County to become the first deputy chief for community risk reduction. We're one of the only fire departments, one of the few fire departments across the United States that has uh, um, invested in community risk reduction at at an executive level. So from a traditional standpoint, we've always heard of fire prevention as a part of the fire department. Um, we're changing that mindset and we're taking it from a section within the fire department and making it an organizational process. Part of the work involves reviewing neighborhoods, looking for specific threats, and then tailoring targeted messages. The entire city doesn't need a, a program on cooking fires or, or pedestrians crossing the streets. Maybe it's certain intersections or certain neighborhoods. A lot of the work has to do with gathering data that can help the department move away from a one-size-fits-all approach to community education efforts. Another name for it is neighborhood risk assessment. We also need to understand where our structure fires are, but more so we need to know where asthma is occurring, allergic reactions, hazardous materials calls, and cardiac arrest, because all of those those risks in areas of the city can be mitigated with our partners and within the fire department. And as I said, I'll have more from the City Council meeting in a future installment of this program. Albemarle supervisors went through the county school system's request as well as capital projects at their work session on Monday. Graham Page is the chair of the Albemarle County School Board. We are projecting recurring revenues of $205.8 million, which is an increase of $12 million over the current fiscal year. The majority of that increase at $6.9 million is a general fund transfer from local government, which, as you know, 
is increasing in response to higher real estate assessments and other local tax revenues that so far have been impacted by COVID-19 less than anticipated. Page said the school board's request is balanced, but if revenues come in higher than expected, one hope is that income can go to help increase a salary increase. The request includes an increase in the minimum wage to $15 an hour. One factor in the size of the school budget is the number of pupils. Katrina Carlson is the vice chair of the Albemarle School Board. Next school year, we are projecting an increase of more than 800 students over current enrollment. So moving from the 13,208 to 14,046. Albemarle school staff will continue to adjust its budget as more information about state revenues comes in. They'll adopt their budget in May, after supervisors have adopted the county's overall budget. Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley took the opportunity to ask about summer school. There is a plan to hold a morning session and an afternoon session for anyone who wants it for learning recovery. Superintendent Matt Haas also said the school system is reaching out to community partners to help provide some of the lessons and assistance with logistics. We are currently putting out a request for proposals from our community partners that uh, work with our students. Um, and often they, they, they have been great partners with uh, the school, with the school system over the years for field trips. That request for proposals carries the title Summer Programming for Students and closes on April 2nd. Supervisors were also briefed on the $56.9 million capital budget for fiscal year 22. Several projects were paused in the current budget due to a projected decline in revenues related to the pandemic, as well as concerns about the uncertainty of the bond market. Albemarle's chief of budget, Andy Bowman, said the bond market has stabilized, even if the rest of the economy has not done so yet. Interest rates are also lower than they were when the pandemic began, which will save the county money on debt service. So working with our financial advisor, we were able to reduce our projected interest rates that results in about a savings of around $400,000 in future years. Four new requests are proposed to be funded in the fiscal year 22 capital budget. They are additional funding for economic development, public-private partnerships. That's what's meant by P3s, uh, public-private partnerships. We also have $3 million in additional funding for transportation leveraging program. There is $6.3 million for the Mountain View expansion and site improvements. Then the final project was uh, about a trailhead for the Wars Creek Trail that would then make a connection into a greater uh, trail network in the future. Supervisor Ned Galloway of the Rio District noted that opposition to development projects often draws upon concerns of overcrowded schools. There's going to be a coming concern for elementary school seats, I'm afraid, in the northern, uh, up north of 29 North that, that has to be on discussion at some point. Today, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors appropriated one-time money from reserve funds for two projects. One is for a $1.1 million solid waste convenience center to serve southern Albemarle County, and the other is $3 million to expand broadband projects as overseen by the Albemarle Broadband Authority. There's also another $3 million being set aside in a reserve known as the Business Process Optimization Fund, intended to build new systems for the Community Development Department and other county departments. Christy Shiflett is the county's project management director. In FY21, we've begun building a roadmap, really how might we 
replace a new community development system, as well as an enterprise resource planning or ERP effort in order to update our business systems for the modern workplace. We understand this is a large undertaking, but our technology in these areas are aging and limited. The new system could help speed up review of land use applications. Albemarle will hold another budget work session on March 18th and will set the tax rate for the current calendar. The current property tax rate is 85.4 cents per $100 of assessed value, and staff has not recommended an increase. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In this subscriber-supported public service announcement, the days of live music at clubs are in our future. But if you feel safe and want to check out people playing together in a safe environment now, the Charlottesville Jazz Society has a running list of events coming up on their website. The Charlottesville Jazz Society is dedicated to the promotion, preservation, and perpetuation of all jazz. Check them out in the link in the newsletter. The eventual opening of a county park at the state-owned Biscuit Run property is one small step closer to reality. The initial site plan for the first phase of Biscuit Run Park has been filed with the Albemarle Community Development Department. The improvements are for a parking area with 75 spaces, as well as an entrance from Route 20. The project has a capital budget of $2 million and is the first of many phases to add amenities to the 1,200-acre park, according to the Winter 2021 report from the Department of Facilities and Environmental Services. Future phases have not yet been programmed in the capital budget. Another planned infrastructure project is moving forward into a more intensive construction phase. The conversion of Interstate 64's Exit 124 to a diverging diamond increases the amount of vehicles that can travel through the signalized interchange. The diverging diamond interchange briefly shifts vehicles to the opposite side of the road, eliminating traditional left turns that must cross over oncoming traffic. The new interchange will improve safety by reducing the number of spots where vehicles could collide and can handle more than 600 left turn movements per hour, twice the capacity of a conventional interchange. The speed limit on US 250 in the area has been reduced to 25 miles per hour during construction. The project is expected to be completed by the fall of 2022 and is one of six projects being constructed by Curtis Contracting. Funding came from the second round of the SmartScale process from the Virginia Department of Transportation. Curtis Contracting has already completed work at I-64's Fontaine Avenue interchange, and a connector road between Burkmar Drive Extended and Rio Mills Road is nearly finished. Curtis Contracting will also build roundabouts at both the intersection of US 250 and Route 151, as well as Prophet Road and Route 20. And finally today, Albemarle's Communications and Public Engagement Director appeared at today's supervisors meeting to address concerns related to a recent rezoning applied for by the Piedmont Housing Alliance, Virginia Supportive Housing, and the Thomas Jefferson Coalition for the Homeless. On February 17th, supervisors approved a change for the land where the Red Carpet Inn had operated on US-29 for a project that will eventually see between 80 to 140 housing units for people with low incomes. 
However, news reports recently surfaced that some of the long-term residents of the Red Carpet Inn were displaced. Emily Kilroy explained that there was a communications error. Uh, but the Thomas Jefferson Area Coalition for the Homeless has shared that, um, you know, as media reports came out about some of the families that had been living um, at the Red Carpet Inn um, on a more of a long-term basis, um, that when they became aware of the communication issue, they reached out to get a list of all the long-term um, tenants that had been living there. Uh, there were 10 households that were impacted um, with the, um, the, the closure of the Red Carpet Inn. Um, and, uh, and so they've made, they've made contact with all 10 of those households. Seven of them have, um, have uh, reached back out for support, and they are working um, on an individual basis to, to find the best solution for their needs um, so, uh, to, to get those individuals uh, rehoused elsewhere in the community. And there will be more from that Albemarle Board of Supervisors meeting in a future installment of this newscast. And that's it for another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed this program, please send it on to somebody else and do consider some sort of a financial contribution. For a $25 a month subscription through Patreon or a 200 yearly subscription through Substack, you can direct me to say things four times a month. There are limitations to what I will say, mostly nonprofit and charities, maybe a birthday, something like that. Contact me and we can talk. But for now, let's hear this one. Let's hear this Patreon-fueled shout-out from an anonymous contributor who wants to finish out the show today by saying, We keep each other safe, wear a mask, wash your hands, and keep your distance. Thanks for listening, everybody. 